Hello and welcome to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson. And I'm Jeremy Fink. And with us today is a listener of the show uh, looking to officially become a member of the cult, and that is Jill Bell. So, Jill, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, guys. Yeah. We're excited. This is going to be a fun one. So this is the fourth installment in our series, 80s Indies, and today we'll be discussing 1983's Valley Girl, directed by Martha Coolidge. Oh my god! What a hunk! Oh, yeah. Check out those tacks! Oh, I'd go for that in a minute, for sure. He's hot! Oh yeah, he's my kind of guy. Aren't they all? Well, most of them are. Hey, they didn't know for nice. I thought they were never. Oh, I hate it. Hey, man. 237272 Sierra Vista. It's a party. It is going to be amazing. I've seen the chicks. I know about these things, and I got a feeling about this one. It's going to be hot, I'm telling you. And it's in the valley. What? The party is in the valley. I don't want to go to the valley. Trust me, I don't want to go to the valley. I'm not in the mood to go to the valley. Valley Girl is a 1983 American teen romantic comedy film directed by Martha Coolidge and starring Nicolas Cage and Deborah Foreman. It tells a Romeo and Juliet inspired story of Julie, a young lady from the San Fernando Valley, and Randy, a young man from Hollywood, as they try to make their love work despite their cultural differences. Yeah, and this is um, many times with the series, as, as it has been. I have never seen this movie before. This is my first time, and I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I was telling Joe a little bit before we started here today, um, nothing like I expected it to be, to be honest. It was, it was, um, it was almost more like a um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High kind of feel to it, um, which I was not expecting. But um, oddly enough, uh, Joe, we had emailed back and forth. I know originally... You had wanted to talk about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, which Jeremy and I both love that movie. Great and movie. We would, we would love to talk about it on the show. We just don't know when that's going to happen. So I just kind of threw out what movies we were discussing for this series. And, you know, Valley Girl, I guess, happened to be one of your favorites. Uh, it so is my favorite movie. And I it say is your that favorite without movie. Wow. a shred of irony. Yes. It's, it's great. Yes. I, I enjoyed it. Um, so I guess to start off... Um, just want to introduce yourself a little bit and tell us why you have this connection to Valley Girl, I guess. Yeah. So I was doing the math and I think I first saw Valley Girl when I was 11 and I believe my cousins had the bootleg. And <laughs> I remember like watching it and feeling like, oh, this is what like love is like. <laughs> this is what... Yeah. Like you were learning passion. about love. Yeah. Yes. And this is what like <laughs> longing is. And as I got older, like that was my first introduction to like, oh, this is like teenage longing. This is what I'm going to feel mm -hmm. like. But as I got older, it became like my ideal of like, this is what a relationship is like. They're supposed yeah. to be grand romantic gestures mm -hmm, in relationships. Mm -hmm. That's how you know someone cares about you. <laughs> and then when it wasn't happening, because teenage boys in the 80s were not watching the same movies I was watching <laughs> then I had to I had to manifest the drama <laughs> to sort of like how can I get these grand romantic gestures like I want someone sleeping out on my lawn I want mm -hmm. someone to be like pining for me so yeah, between between this and say anything it's like <laughs> oh yeah you wanted some kind of grand gesture at least yeah yeah we were being fed some <laughs> 
<laughs> some real, real uh, misguided messages in mm-hmm. the in the eighties. I don't know if the boys were watching the same movies, but <laughs> they, my they guess were is probably watching Porky's. Yeah, yeah my guess is that's a whole like, different kind of message. Um, if I think the world, I don't know if the you, the Me Too movement would would be where it is if if. We weren't watching such different, different movies back then. <laughs> That's true. Good point. Yeah. But yeah, um, and I mm. I also was like just starting to get into the punk scene and just being like, mm. what? Like dipping my toe in and being like, oh, I like subcultures. I like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. things that are a little weird and a little different. And like being a kid of the 80s and not the internet not being around, like you, anything that you could find that like remotely encapsulated what you were interested in, mm-hmm. you just like grabbed onto it because you didn't know where you were going to find that again. Like yeah. you just, the way you found things was sort of like little surprises or really long searches. Right. And then you're like, Oh, other people saw that. Like, Oh, you know, this movie, this movie mm-hmm. wasn't just made for me to watch. That's crazy. <laughs> and then yeah. you like, yeah, that's, that's kind of our thing on this show. That's what we, <laughs> you know, the kind of things that we yeah. talk about. Um, and you mentioned subculture and it's like a perfect segue for me. Cause I, um, the previous film in this series that we've discussed that you wouldn't know yet because we haven't posted it yet, but it's a movie called Smithereens and uh, takes place in New York. So yeah. that is also about sort of like punk music and, and that kind of scene. And um, this movie, Valley Girl, explores an entirely different scene or subculture um, on the other side of the country than than Smithereens did. Um, but like that movie, this is this movie's kind of like a snapshot um, of this time in in uh you know like that movie was a snapshot of new york this movie is a snapshot of the san fernando valley and la in california um which i don't have much experience with so um do you have any connection to that area at all jill i don't at all but kind of what i was wondering when i was watching it the other night was when this movie was made was it made in a way that we were like the watchers were supposed to be like oh wow look at how these like crazy californians talk Mm-hmm. Or was that just how people were talking, like of yeah. that age, and that was the norm? Yeah. Like so. So yeah. So from what I, what I found on that, it looks like, and just in doing a little bit of research, that the movie actually kind of originally uh, there there was a popular, I believe, I, I Frank think it was Zappa? just a song. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. A, Moon a Zappa Frank song. Zappa song. Yeah. Oh, um, Moon at the time. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Was it Moon, yeah, Moon it was Zappa? Daughter. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So there was that popular song at the time. And so I think this is this Valley Girl kind of image, mm-hmm. um, whether it was like actually how Valley yeah. Girls were, or it was just kind of this this thing that people believe that's how Valley Girls were. It was kind of a popular thing at the time. It's like chicken and it or the like, egg. Um, yeah, and it looks like the, it, it was kind of like people had talked about for a while trying to make a uh, a, a like like a Valley Girl movie. Um, actually, Frank, uh, I believe Frank Zappa and Moon Unit Zappa were in discussion with that too, but it fell through. Fell through, yeah. Um, but then eventually, somehow, the idea kind of came around mm-hmm. um, to Martha Coolidge mm-hmm. um, to do this this low-budget movie, and I guess took off after that. Right. Um, yeah, you mentioned the dialogue. It's like, I actually wrote mm-hmm. down some choice, some choice quotes right from the beginning of the movie. Um, very 80s. I mean, the this, this series is 80s indies, and you don't get much more 80s than this. Um, yeah. But like some of the lines were, he's so bitchin', he's got the bod. Mm-hmm. Bum to the max, you know, this kind His of stuff. brains are bad news. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was great. Um, yeah. But what I, 
what I thought was interesting is the bulk of the really, really heavy Val talk seems to happen in that first scene. In that first, yeah. And then it exactly. peters out to still, I mean, it's yeah. still like tossed in, mm -hmm. but not as much as like that first mall montage yeah. scene where when that scene, we're being introduced. Yeah, when that opening happened, I was like, all right, so this is what we're getting into here. Yeah. You know, we're going all the way. Yeah, so, but no, you're right. I think the movie changes a lot as it goes and kind of gets away from that. So it's almost like yeah. they're getting it out of their system a little bit, you know, or at least introducing you to the world, I guess, is what yes. they're doing. Yes, um, So as you said, we start at the mall and we're introduced to all the girls, um, including Julie, who's our, our main character, one of our main characters. And they're scoping out the dudes, you know, they're in the food court. Um, we're, we're introduced to her ex, Tommy, who's a real jerk. He's just, yes. that guy is just yeah. a real piece of work, that Tommy. Um it's hard get... to believe that these are high school, possibly yeah. juniors in high <laughs> juniors. school. We yeah. see that a lot with these actors yeah. sometimes. It's like, yeah, it's a little, a little bit of a stretch. Um, oh, E.G. Daly also is in this movie, and she um, she has kind of some cult cred. She was in uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. She does a lot of voice work. I actually met her at a convention one time, <gasps> oddly enough. Uh, like, got a picture with her and stuff. <laughs> she, she did um, Tommy Pickles on the Rugrats. Tommy Pickles, yes. She's, Tommy she's also... She's in my second favorite movie, which is, a, she has a bit part in a movie Hello. called Fan, Fandango. Fandango, I haven't is, seen that. Which is Kevin Costner, it's got um, Judd Nelson, and Judd she Nelson. has a very small part in it. But okay. when I was young, I thought this, I thought her body was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I so, had a huge crush on her, for sure. Yeah, just yeah. To, to give you a sense, a little sense, like as a younger kid, like, because of the world was like it was, I was really obsessed with boobs, mm. and you get some of that in this movie too, yeah. Not as much, <laughs> as, you, not as much as others, but like yeah. I was very familiar with like Dolly Parton and mm. um, legendary. Uh, who was yeah. the other one? Um, and other actresses who were like endowed and like my mom was. So I was just like, oh, this is what's gonna happen to me. <laughs> so I was like really obsessed with seeing like eighties movies and TNA, but. Yeah. Like, I just thought she had such, like, an amazing body because she's not really tall and she's not even, mm. like, super skinny, but she's just, like, this compact actress yeah. and she has, like, this huge hair and, like, I just totally, mm -hmm. I loved her look. I mean, I, um, I, I saw her in person. I can vouch for it. She, yeah, <laughs> she actually looks... While, like while, we're, on that, while we're on that topic, though, uh, of uh, nudity in this movie, actually a thing that I, I read in a New York Times article was that when the, the project was pitched to, or when Martha Coolidge, I guess, was pitching the project, the financier said that she could make it and that they would fund the entire movie as long as there were four shots of nude breasts in the movie. Right. And that was actually, like, because we were coming kind of, we were still in, like, this exploitation age with a lot of slasher films and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, like, it's just interesting because I think that, you know, because that was one of the, the the requirements i guess for her to make the movie i thought she did actually approach it in a really creative way yeah. i think it would have been really easy to like they were well and... placed it's, yeah yeah they didn't feel yeah, gratuitous well... like they they made sense to the scene right yeah they they, they served the story which which i thought was great and i think it, a big part of that is the fact that we have a, a a woman directing this movie because so many of these kind of like raunchy teen comedies were directed by men and these very kind of male gazy <laughs> yeah porkies yeah. and so so this one i think it was really cool that even though yeah. like they still like had that element. It still in the sucks movie. that it, she had to do it, but that's just the way yeah, it kind of yeah. was at that point. Um, and also, if she wanted to get financing, like you said, um, so mm -hmm. <laughs> literally she had the requisite amount of nudity in this film. 
Um, but yeah, I thought mm-hmm. tastefully done. I thought it wasn't anything too gratu- gratuitous. I thought um, it seemed like she kind of got it out of the way a little bit. And, you know, yeah. It, yeah. I think once it gets to a certain point, there's not really much more of it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it wasn't too distracting, but it was, uh, you know, it was pretty clear what was going on. Um, so also that opening, we, we go to the beach with the, the main characters. And this is where we meet the- Nicolas Cage. The uh, great equalizer. Randy. Yes, we all love Nicolas Cage. I, I was saying to Jeremy, like when we were talking about potential movies to discuss, the second I saw Nicolas Cage was in this, I was like, I'm in. You know, that's, that's all I need. Sold. So I'm sold. Uh, I love him. So, yeah, he plays Randy. Um, this is one of his first movies. I think he had done Rumblefish before this uh, for his uncle, <laughs> Uncle mm-hmm. Coppola. Coppola. Um, so Uncle Francis. Uncle Francis. Um and he is, his character is more of like a punker in this, an outsider, I guess. Uh, and there's a party in the valley. And right off the bat, we get that he's not really into that whole scene. He's not, you know, doesn't want to really be part of it. He's a little curious about it, but that's about it. He, he's more of like an instigator. He just likes to, you know, kind of get in there and, and mess things up, which he eventually does. Um, but right away, we're introduced to this kind of like really snappy, I thought, witty dialogue. Um, it's very of the time, like we discussed, but also felt strangely modern in some ways. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I kind of felt like the the brevity of it and just kind of was very, mm-hmm. yeah, very snappy, um, like you see in a lot of like maybe modern shows and things like that. Um, oh, and I also liked Julie's hip parents who were introduced to. Uh, <laughs> I think they, yeah. they actually used to be hippies, I guess we're getting um, from their characters, but um there's kind of like frederick forest yeah from apocalypse now Mm -hmm. and it lives again yep that was not expected at all when i saw that um but yeah i like the kind of like hints at their wild past that they had and um i think julie has a line she's like why don't you just punish me like the other parents do (laughs) and her mom's like bad karma dear Um, (laughs) so great lines Um, like that yeah there are good ones i like the the beach scene what i loved about that is because people were only wearing your bathing suits. No one had a sense of where anyone was from. So mm-hmm. all the girls that were mm-hmm. sitting with Julie, all her friends were like, they saw Nicolas Cage and they're like, oh yeah, he's, oh, he's yeah. totally bitching. Yeah, yeah. And, totally bitching. And nobody had any, um, since you know everyone was just in beach attire, mm-hmm. nobody had any judgment. So like yeah. there, when they saw each other, they were like, oh like yeah, he's, even good he's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess we should mention that this movie is partly based on, well, loosely based on Romeo and Juliet. Just just the concept, I guess. Yeah. Although they do allude to it. I mean, her name is Julie. Um, and in the background at one point you see on the, the theater marquees, Romeo and Juliet's playing. So. I never made that connection until just hearing you say it. Oh, really? It okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Randy with the R for Romeo. Randy, never. Yeah. Yep. They lead into it. J and R. Yep. J and R. Um, so there is yeah, a little bit of that, like two different worlds, you know, but they have this love that transcends. But, um, so from there, just to kind of go through the plot a little bit more, um, there's a party and this is kind of like a big, long party scene, which is always good in these kinds of movies. Um, and I just want to talk about the soundtrack for a second because Ugh, I so was good. blown away. Yeah. Phenomenal mm-hmm. soundtrack. Um, com- again, the last film we talked about was Smithereens. And although that movie is about music, there wasn't very much music in it. More just kind of instrumental, you know, background soundtrack music. But in this movie, there is wall-to-wall, you know, pop songs and, uh, 
well, I guess more like new wave songs, um, things like that. Um, and not even what, not even like super well-known 80s songs in the way that we know 80s songs now. I mean, some of them were yeah, exactly. Melt With You, but there were a few right, in there a that couple. I, I only know from that movie and right. great songs. Yeah, a lot of new wave. And I think you're right, Joe, like songs that you wouldn't normally hear, but like they're very distinctly 80s, obviously. Um, and so for a smaller budget indie film, um, it's surely, I'm sure a lot of that budget went to the music rights. Uh, yeah, I saw a number, it said, and I can't confirm this, obviously, but it said that the movie itself was made for about $350,000, mm-hmm. and the music rights on top of that, so so not as part of that three hundred fifty, but on top of that were 250000 So we're talking about like almost half the budget going just to soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Well, the soundtrack has The Clash and Culture Club on it, and I do not remember hearing that in the movie. So I don't know if it was a really bit part or if it got Sparks. Uh, I don't know if you know the band. I don't know if you know the, I believe Sparks uh, plays, do you, do you know that? That band's a very odd, quirky band. Um, they do Ants in, ants in Your Pants, in, I think. Yeah. Or Ants yeah. in Your Pants, sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, that's in the party scene. I couldn't believe, when I heard it, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. So right away, they had my respect with the, the soundtrack. I great soundtrack. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like for that alone, I think it's worth watching this movie. <laughs> um, and so this is a party scene where, Randy and Julie really first, you know, I would say meet and talk to each other and he approaches her and neither of them seem to be having the best time there. Randy calls it a costume party, actually. Um, And eventually he gets in a fight. He gets punched out by Tommy, you know, for talking to his girl who's not even with him. Oh, we left out that that she broke up with Tommy at the mall very abruptly. Oh, what, mm-hmm. so did they break up or were they already broken up? I, I actually forget. They broke up at the mall and that oh, okay. was the day of the of the party. Oh, so the next time okay. she sees him is when he is parading floozies in front <laughs> of her. Including her friend. Um, including her, her friend. E.G. Daly, I can't remember her name in the movie. I could just pull it up in a second. Lorna. Lorna. Lauren, or Lauren, yeah. Sorry, Lauren. 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 Yeah, yeah. Lauren. Um, Lauren. With a Y. Lauren with a Y. Um, so yeah, she... Yeah, her and Tommy kind of get hot and heavy there for a bit, um, which is sort of like a scandalous thing. They don't really touch on it that much. It's sort of like this this background thing that's going on. Um, There's a lot of little subplots in this movie, mm-hmm. and that's one of the re- things I love about it that yeah. play into it but are never fully flushed out mm-hmm. and are never really covered again. Cool, in a way. Yeah, because yeah. that's kind of how life It's more is. like real life, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he he sort of takes advantage mm-hmm. of, takes advantage of yeah situation and, and and she seems Lauren seems to be very in need of boy attention and that's mm-hmm. kind of brought up in the yeah early like she, on when the girls are getting ready for the party mm-hmm. like she's sort of jealous of Julie and uh, the boys that she gets I guess but um, <laughs> I think it's Nicholas Cage who has another really good line I don't, I'm not sure if it's him or his friend. But when they first see Julie, like, that chick, Julie, she's truly dazzling. Truly dazzling. (laughs) It's like, like, wow, dialogue like that. Like, how do you even write that? Yeah. Jeremy, we need to work on our script writing skills. I know, yeah. I I don't think I've ever called anyone dazzling. Truly dazzling. (laughs) Truly dazzling. Which is also a great scene because I don't think he had been talking to her for that long. Yeah. To, to, I mean, his feelings are very intense, very very quickly. Very intense, yeah. Um. And then he makes a lot of direct eye contact. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very, yeah, he's kind of like intimidating, but I guess it's like that angsty punk kind of thing. Um, but so what he, Randy gets kicked out of the party and eventually 
sneaks back in through the bathroom window. Um, I like that whole scene where he's like sitting in the shower and just kind of listening to people yeah. and just waiting. There's like that. I what. Well- one thing that popped into my head during that scene, which is just was funny, is just that no one it, it actually goes to the bathroom at any point. You have like five different people They're coming doing in. Doing everything have, like, else. People, yeah. yeah, like some people smoking some weed, some right. people, you know, no doing their makeup. Thing. No one uses the bathroom the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just a funny thing that I don't. Yeah. Two things about that scene. The first is, and this happens at one other point in the movie: women not wearing bras, shirts coming off, no bras, mm. like, <laughs> which is very common with a lot of eighty movies. Yeah. But also, um, I had a long period of time after this movie when I became like an, a teenager, old, well, more like a college student, that any party that I would go to, I had to t- check the shower. <laughs> That's hysterical. Just yeah. because you don't want that guy that you've been eye-fucking oh, across wow. the room to be in the, sh- to wow. be in the shower yeah. stall while, like, after you've been drinking schlitz all night and eating yeah. tacos. That would be traumatizing. Fact, You're right, yeah. But the fact that she went in and she just put on her lipstick, I was like, oh, yeah. good, oh, good yeah. thing. Yeah. And, see, and seemed very calm when he just popped up. Yeah. Very. Like, for, for someone just scaring you, it's like, there, it was she's like, like oh, oh hi. <laughs> um, and there's that sort of like dark humor that I alluded to where he's like, when he's in the shower, he's like pretending to shoot the party goers. <laughs> like, like something yeah. that you probably wouldn't see in a movie now. It's a little taboo, but like, no. you know, mm-hmm. but um. You know, but I kind of like that it has that edginess to it, this movie. Um, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later. But to keep uh, going through uh, what occurs in the movie. So uh, Julie, like we said, is she's OK with, uh, you know, strange boy she just met hanging out in the shower, uh, you know, creeping on her. You know, that's fine. Um, but I guess she likes him, right? You know, she she meets him and she knows there's something different about him. Um, not like the other guys, I guess, that she's used to. Um, so... And he shows her that, so he takes her out, uh, takes her to a club. I guess one, you know, he wants to show her his world, sort of. Um, and they have that conversation, which I thought was interesting, um, because clearly he likes Julie, but Randy starts saying stuff about how she's pre-programmed and you know how she's really not free and stuff like that, which I guess it's, it's sort of like sounds enticing to her, like interesting, but it's just it, it's interesting concept to you know someone you like to be saying that kind of stuff to them. Um, but I guess he's trying to help her or something, but yeah. Um, but I guess that's kind of like the core of the movie, right? It's like he sees her one way and she sees him another way. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, right? Two different worlds. Um, and, but from there they do begin dating and, uh, we complete with a montage where they, <laughs> they great go see, montage. yeah, great montage. Uh, perfect. Great montage. song. Great song. Yep. Is that, I met with you, right? That's modern that English. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, where they go see Romeo and Juliet. And uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that whole, um, that was like the perfect montage for this movie. And um, uh, so Tommy, um, you know, he's he's still missing Julie and uh, he uh, he's talking to her friends and he's like this geek that she's, you know, that she's hanging out with, he's gonna scar her life and stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> She'll and, never record. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And- um, Yeah, it's hysterical. And Julie's That's a pretty- great- Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. That's a great scene because it's the like kind of the only other time that you get a glimpse that Lauren is still like is aware that Tommy's not a good guy and that he did something kind of bad to her because she says to him, you're right. She did dump you and your advice. Mm -hmm. And everyone kind of looks at her like, oh, why? Why doesn't she like Mm -hmm. why is she upset at Tommy? Yeah. And it's kind of the first time that you see a result of what Tommy did to her at the party, that yeah. she's she's angry at him and she right. knows that he's not a good guy. Mm-hmm. 
Which, going back to the idea of that being, like, like, like the fact that it didn't become this big moment of conflict where Julie found out about it and was mad, like, I think that is a lot more realistic, where it's, like, something would happen but between a couple friends without one of them knowing about it, mm-hmm. and, like, the other one kind of keeps it in, but, like, uh, acts on it in a, in a really kind of passive-aggressive, subtle way, but it, it never yeah. actually comes to a head. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's actually a really cool piece of writing right there. Yeah. And um, I so I guess... Julie and her, you know, Julie's pretty influenced by her friends, I guess, and based off what they, you know, what Tommy said to them and then what, what they talk about, she decides to break it off with Randy and actually go back to Tommy, which I was not a fan of. <laughs> After having a conversation, a real heart-to-heart with her father that mm. yeah. she... That was a good scene, too, yeah. It was a great... Yes. Yeah. And um, they end up going to the prom together, her and Tommy. But, of course, Randy's not going to have that. You know, so after his little depressive sequence there, his, uh, you know, going back to the club and and uh, getting drunk and all that, um, he decides that he's going to infiltrate the prom. And this sets up our, our last act, I guess, of the movie. Um, and, you know, just to You kind forgot of... his montage of grand gestures, grand romantic gestures. Oh, right, gestures. yeah. Uh, yes, well, that's important. important. So let's talk about that, yeah. Um, that is an odd... It's a great... It's it's odd because she is aware, I am assuming, that that is him. She mm-hmm. is aware that because he's still sleeping out on her lawn and jumping <laughs> yeah. into cars that she's in. Yeah, who else um, <laughs> And it's hard to tell if she appreciates it or mm-hmm. is... I think she secretly does, but it's kind of like she's not allowing to, herself to feel this way about her, him or is trying to yeah. suppress because- it. Because... Because being with him could scar her for the yeah. rest of he's bad her news. life. She's like, right. He's yeah. bad news. Um, she doesn't want to lose her friends over yeah. being with this guy. And he's a geek. I mean, it, that on. does seem to be it, that her friends are, it's either her friends, I believe she said, it, it's either you guys or Randy, mm-hmm. not necessarily being with Tommy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Tommy is just, I guess she has to have a boyfriend, and Tommy <laughs> would be her boyfriend if yeah. she wanted to still be with her friends. He's like yeah. her, and, her expected boyfriend sort of yeah. yeah and those those friends i just feel the need to know are extremely toxic mm-hmm. to julie in terms mm-hmm. of like her happiness yeah. because it's like oh, every time something comes up yeah. yeah they give the worst advice but none of them stop and say well like what makes you feel uh, her dad does but like she, none of them are like well what makes you feel better you know yeah. what makes you happier they're <laughs> exactly. all just like oh no like if you're gonna be with him i don't even want to be seen mm-hmm. with you like those are those are not the best friends in the world no. but we also well, we, forgot we to mention like what that. every 80s movie needs and that is a sexy sleepover Mm, in yes. sexy attire yeah besides the montage uh you need that sleepover scene yes um. <laughs> where they they talked about why she should why being with randy is bad and mm-hmm. why being with tommy would be good yeah but also i guess part of that is because of her friend lauren i guess either secretly liking tommy or just feeling shame about what she's done with him and um I guess, I don't know. There might be some of that as well. But, yeah, it's almost like it's a status thing, which I guess is very, not only the valley, but also just, like, life, like life in high school. You know, it's like you have these this status, you know, hierarchy sort of, um, you know, different cliques, different groups and things like that. And it's like, well, Julie, you should be with Tommy. Like, Tommy is the right choice, you know. And they, total superficial, but, I mean, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Um, but, you know, her heart's telling her Randy. So we get that, that ending where Randy, like I said, infiltrates the prom, um, eventually punches out Tommy backstage. Great as they're about to name Yeah, <laughs> as they're about to name the king and queen of the prom. 
Uh, yeah, punches him out. It's great. And then we get the food fight, which is always a good uh, scene in these kind of movies. Um, so we didn't get a pillow fight in the sleepover scene, but we got a food fight. Yeah. So that was we good. We get a food fight. Um, and we, we, got many, we got many real fights. So and a lot of, yeah, a lot of punching a, out. Of, yeah. Not um, a lack of fights in this movie. No. I love not. that Randy said to him before he punched him, he said, I'm going to give you the chance that you didn't give me. Yeah. Which was, was no good. chance when he punched him out at the party and then you yeah. just punched him and <laughs> the band is on the stage looking. Yeah, that was karma right there. Um, yeah. That was great. Also, and, also, just side note about that scene. The, the the lady who gives the, oh, the prom king and queen the prin- speech the principal yeah yeah the principal she she is just so emotional <laughs> I'm concerned about, for her yeah she 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 actually might have one of the most complicated backstories of anybody <laughs> in this in this whole yeah. she's very brief but she really steals that scene because there's gotta be she, some deleted something scenes in the past. or something yeah yeah <laughs> um, but that I, yes. I, li- hmm? I like in movies like this the um, how inconsistent proms can be. Whereas I was really surprised and I, in my memory it was there, but it wasn't the case that in this prom there was someone wearing the quintessential 80s tuxedo shirt, but <laughs> they weren't. But you, I saw yeah. someone like in sneakers, then I saw like mm-hmm. Randy in his pink tux, or not Randy, um, Tommy in his pink, pink tux, which mm-hmm. I wonder, was that a thing? Like, was that Maybe. cool? It might have been. And then you just see people in different variations of dressed up yeah. for for proms. Maybe it was so uncool that it was cool. Who yeah. knows? Maybe. Well, also, with, with that prom scene, one thing I read, a kind of fun little movie fact, is that, you know, because this was a low-budget movie, all the extras were non-union. And so a lot of the extras at yeah. the prom scene were um, people from local, like, fraternities. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um, and so, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if... Some of them were kind of people told, like, bring your own, yeah, you know, whatever. You, like, like they, might, they, they probably had footwear for some, but for a lot, they were probably like, we can give you a tux, but mm-hmm. you need to wear your own shoes. And because they're a bunch of 19-year-olds from frats, they're probably just like, yeah, I'll wear my Nikes. You know, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> there's probably not a lot of thought put into that. But Yeah, Jeremy, I, also, you know, I appreciate that you always you always note the uh, wardrobe in the movies that we talk about, because it goes unnoticed a lot, I think. But the I, wardrobe I in this movie is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's great. Which once again, a lot of it, uh, it was, it was because it's a low budget movie. Another thing I read along these same lines is that a lot of the wardrobe just came from people who worked on the film. That makes sense. Like, it, like if there are some women working on the film, it was just it was the early because I think because because this film now is period piece, you know, because now we look back on yeah. it and it feels so vintage. But at the time, like a lot of this, I mean, they shot the movie in L.A. A lot of the people working on it might have even been from the valley mm-hmm. so it, it's definitely possible that a lot of the, the the wardrobe just kind of was like oh this feels like something she would wear what do you have in your closet you know let's let's just well, throw it on and see if it fits the director martha coolidge was she from that area i believe she was actually i, I have her page her wikipedia pulled mm-hmm. up it, i believe she was actually yeah it says right here she was born in new haven connecticut um and studied at RISD. And later got her MFA at Tisch, uh, at oh, NYU. Yeah. She yeah. might have, um, yeah, it looks like she did live in L.A. for a while mm-hmm. before this movie was made. So before the movie, I okay. think she was, yeah, she was integrated she was, into that culture, but yeah. she wasn't from there. Okay, but she was a little familiar with it. And also, I feel like New Haven, Connecticut probably has a lot of that, like, kind of almost like, I don't know. There's, like, certain, like, you know, status symbols and things like that that I think are kind of relevant. Um, Valley East. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What so, I want to know is is what what band or what prom committee decides we're going to get Josie Cotton. Oh yeah. To play <laughs> at our talk about prom, that. which which especially yeah. because these are right, right so they're they're Valley kids. 
Josie Cotton's music is pretty valley, but she's got like a new wave punk yeah. look. And it just <laughs> seemed an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, also a live, a live band like that, very specific yeah. for your prom seems like an interesting choice as well. Well, maybe they were playing a cover band who they were covering themselves. That's <laughs> possible. Covering themselves. Maybe everything else was, was Men at Work covers. Yeah, there you, <laughs> there you go. Who knows? Yeah, I feel like they always have like some kind of like hugely popular band or not even hugely popular, just really well known, which is kind of cool. Um, and so the ending, I want to talk about it because it's very, I don't know if this was intentional or not, probably, but it felt very graduate-esque. Oh, like the, yeah. the movie there's the a graduate. lot of graduate yeah. references in this movie. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I must have missed the other ones, but yeah, the ending is um, very... It, there's like that side plot of the one friend likes Brad. No. And who who shows up to that? Who is interested in her mom? Oh yeah, that's like a right, whole right. side oh, plot. Yeah. How could I forget that? Yeah, I didn't mention that's, that, but that's, that's another, another boom little, scene. Yeah, yes, another, another. But boom she scene. makes she makes a graduate reference to him that. Yeah. I don't know if he got. I'm kind of curious. It looks like it went right over his head. The, the plastic yeah. reference. Did they think <laughs> yeah, the plastic. viewers would get it? Right. Oh yeah. I Maybe completely, I don't know. Yeah, I completely forgot about that whole. <laughs> I, I was just waiting. I was just waiting for Mrs. Robinson to start playing. Yeah, I know. Like, I, like the, I remember watching this for the first time. I'm like, they're gonna do it. But then, mm. and then they played that great track. Um, is like Monster of Love. Mm. Yes. Uh, it's a, such a great. I, I was I'm so happy. I don't know if maybe they were thinking about getting the rights to Mrs. Robinson, or but like I was just waiting for that song yeah. to come. But I was kind of happy they didn't. What did you think about that little surprise when you thought like in the shower was her mom, but then her mom mm. comes in and who he's really with is, I can't remember her name, but the one friend. The mom's daughter. Yeah, the yes. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what was going to happen. I believe, that that. Was Su I believe that was Susie. It's kind of tough Susie, because yeah. all these girls the other have girls. these names that end with an E. So it's like Julie, except for Lauren, like Julie, Stacy, yeah. Susie. It's like, it gets very You're tough right. to like, keep track of all of them. I, I think it was Susie. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was a cool little reveal. Mm -hmm. um, I mean... I, it was something I couldn't totally figure out. Like I didn't know what to expect. What they with were, that whole what they were like. yeah, what they were saying yeah. with it. At least personally, like I was kind of rooting for him to like get with the mom, yeah. just because that's, that's what like I thought was going to happen. Sure. Interesting dynamic, but well, I guess it, it's just not that movie. And it also didn't seem like he was that interested in Susie. So yeah. I think he kind of was like, "All right, I'm like, here. I, I tr I'm trespassing, <laughs> and I'm yeah. here. So I I better <laughs> yeah, you sort of make do with what's happening." But it was good for comedy. Yeah. yeah, this is the hand I've been dealt, so I'm going to... Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So lots of graduate references, I guess. But the ending mm -hmm. is very graduate. So um, Randy and Julie run off from the prom, and they go into the back of the limo. Limo drives away. They kind of look look at each other, and there's the, that silence there. and um, Well, music playing, but... You know, Although they laugh. They, they laugh. They laugh. It's, it's yeah, it's the... a little... Yeah, it's almost like tongue-in-cheek. It's like we're kind of alluding it's to like... this, but we're going to do our own take on it, yeah. Yeah, it's like we kind of think for a second it might be that, where they're like, oh, no, what's going to happen? Right. But then they laugh, and we're like, oh, no, like, it's okay. We're just having a it's, good time. It's still the happy ending. Right. Yeah. Well, I think also there's a moment in her face where you realize, like, she's like, okay, like, this this is it. Like, my friends are probably not going to be my friends anymore. Like, yeah. Like, everything is going to be different. I hope mm -hmm. this was a good choice. Right. Mm -hmm. But, again, it's like, I think point of it's like, she shouldn't care what other people think so it's like maybe she's mm -hmm. like turning over a new leaf you know yeah at least you, yeah, you like to think that she is but because there's definitely no going back after that because the guy that she's yeah. with now not only is like some wild card but he just showed up and ruined their prom so it's like <laughs> exactly like now it's not just her yeah. friends now the whole school doesn't like this guy 
So, so there's, Which there's I no think going is back cool, at that but, point. You know, what do I know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this Ray Punk, he's going to scar her life now, I guess. But yeah. hopefully they live ha- happily ever after, although we never find out, I guess. Um, I give them about six weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, like, it would have, they would have had, like, maybe two two weeks of like really being in love and then things mm. cooling off there would have been a, a cooling off yeah and because when you start that intensely you know that hot and heavy it's like yeah. yeah yes but um who knows maybe they got married had some kids <laughs> but uh so that's yeah that's valley girl and um i was very pleasantly surprised by it did not know what to expect really going into it but again, I appreciated the, the sort of darker elements to it and the humor that was present. Um, it was very unexpected, a lot of it. And like I said, it reminded me a bit of films like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, where there's a, all these different characters and a lot going on. And some of it's a little bit, you know, serious and, and some of it isn't. Um, and it has it sort of also that sort of like free flowing Richard Linklater vibe to it. I don't know if you guys got mm-hmm. that, but um, where you're kind of just like following these different characters around and... Um, and also, even though they're portraying a materialistic culture, um, like I said, much of the dialogue and, and characterizations, um, I thought they felt pretty genuine. I thought there was something about them that... that um, I think Nicolas Cage especially was mm-hmm. acting with a capital A. Like, I think he was like, this is my chance. Oh, I'm yeah. really Because there's a lot of little details that he does that I'm like, oh yeah, he really worked hard. I have in my notes at one point I said, I feel like Nicolas Cage is in a different movie than everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Because I felt like he was really yeah. working. But isn't isn't yeah. he always, though? I think yes, that's a, that's absolutely. Like the charm. <laughs> that's true. That's the charm. Nicolas Cage has made a lot of movies that are Nicolas Cage movies. But, right. Yeah. But not, I mean, uh, not as much in this one because I guess he was still kind of finding his yeah. feet as an actor. Um, but not yeah. like chewing the scenery, but like, mm-hmm. I, like I feel like these little details yeah. of the way he behaved. Yeah. And his saunter and everything, I feel like that's him. Like, that's yeah. really little things that he wanted to put mm-hmm. in to, to kind of really yeah. sit in the skin of this character. Yeah, I, I feel actually, like he, he was, like, method almost. Like, he was really yeah. getting into character behind the scenes and stuff like that. Well, well he actually was. I actually, actually I read in my notes yeah. that he, yeah, he, he slept in a car in Los Angeles <laughs> for 20 nights. Of course he did. During the making of, of this movie. Wow. Okay, I actually wasn't is- even going to bring that up. There was something else I was going to bring up, but that's interesting. <laughs> Um, I was going to bring up that apparently in real life, Nicolas Cage had a crush on Deborah Foreman, who plays Julie. Um, and he later, like, he, he commented on it later in an interview, just like saying that he adored her. And so he said there was very, he was, there was actually very little acting going on in his part, uh, according to him, which is very sweet. Um, I, he, I, I just wonder how much of that was the method talking. Like, mm-hmm. like I know th- this is one great episode of, of the show BoJack Horseman. I don't know if either of you watch that. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Naomi Watts is on the show briefly, and she's, like, doing a movie with the main character, BoJack. And while they're doing the movie, they're kind of, like, it seems like they might be in love, but the minute the movie wraps, she's like, well, I was method acting, and the movie's done now, so I'm not into <laughs> you anymore. So I wonder, I wonder how much of yeah. his infatuation with well, uh, Deborah Foreman was... Yeah. Him or, or the, the method kind of like yeah. he, he was infatuated with her because he was so deep in the character that he couldn't separate the two. It seemed but. pretty passionate, but you're right. I mean, his character is very passionate. So he was apparently yeah. writing poetry to her on set and things like that. So yeah, um, who knows? Yeah, it might, might be a little bit of both, I guess. He, he was he was in it. The, the, he was where, in it. Where That's... Nicolas Cage ended and where Randy began was blurry <laughs> at best. Right. <laughs> um, I love, I mean, as a woman, he... 
he does this kissing thing where he has his giant <laughs> looking hands on her head yeah. where I was like, yes, like he just like yes grasps her. It's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this right. movie makes my heart hurt a little like in a good way yeah. in a way where I'm just yeah. like oh I remember those feelings yeah. and it's for so a while cool. I stopped watching it because I was like this mm. is too hard and yeah. then I watched it when I watched it the other night I was like okay yeah like I'm not aching as much but like the, the memory of the ache is there and that's right. that's really nice mm -hmm. so what was the last time you had watched this movie Jill I must have watched I distinctly remember getting it Years before my daughter was born, so mm -hmm. maybe like 10 years ago, and having friends over to watch it and okay. feeling like I was going through a bit of a crisis <laughs> after watching it because of the aching and the like, right. things aren't like that anymore. Um, yeah. But, but so you yeah, that seen it, it in a while, I guess. It had been a while. Yeah. So, how did you feel? I mean, just, just coming back to it after all that time, was it? Some, you know, there are some up, things or? like it, it does in some ways. I'm glad to to say that it ages relatively well in the way that some 80s movies don't age well. It's not right. rapey or anything like that. No, not um, well, yeah. It, it really any, isn't. No, no, it's not. There's not yeah. But I remember thinking that Nicolas Cage was gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And he just looked really skinny. Like, so, <laughs> so skinny. He was so young um, at this time. I'm he not was, sure how old he was. was like a baby, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it holds up well. Yeah. I mean, the music is great. Music's great. The, the way it's used is good. Like, mm -hmm. the characters are interesting. I'm not quite sure what he likes about her so much because she, <laughs> yeah. she's I, I was thinking very that, like, easily swayed. Yeah. Her character is, like, a little thin, I think. But Yes. But also, you know, that criticism could be said about all the characters in the movie. So if when I was, was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like, it's more of, like, just a snapshot of all these different characters and even though we don't get too involved in any one character, it's like it's more of like an overview of like, you know, this whole scene at the time. So in that sense, um, I thought it made sense. And that's why I kind of got that link later feel of like, you know, we, we talked about Slacker on this podcast before um, where it just kind of goes from one character to the next. And but um, yeah, I thought the two leads did a great job. I thought their acting was great. Obviously, Nicolas Cage was amazing, <laughs> as always. Obviously. Always gives it his all. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the oh. script was was written in ten days, which is very interesting as well. I just wanted to mention <laughs> that real quick. It's nuts. That's, that's nuts. So crazy. Yeah, it, well, you I know, for all the witty dialogue that's in it, it's kind of crazy. Um, but it also makes sense because it's an indie, it's low budget. Yeah. Um, I think it out. I think the director kind of had that green light, and she just like went for it. You know, she was like, yeah. "All right, let's make this thing." Like, you know, yeah. I don't let's know. Let's not if, wait for someone to change their mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was like her passion project or anything, but it was kind of like. I'm getting like she she knew this could potentially be big for her and she you know Martha Coolidge she would go on to make real genius with some of the same actors actually as in this yeah. movie which Deborah I actually Farming. have not seen it and I don't think Jeremy has either okay I haven't seen it yet no I want to see it I mean I love Val Kilmer too so <laughs> um I'll definitely check that she one also out. she also made the movie uh Rambling Rose I believe I haven't uh, seen that with well, I haven't seen it either with yeah, Laura, Laura Dern. Dern oh I love uh, Laura Dern but okay. thinking of Laura Dern before I forget Interestingly, the DP for this film, Valley Girl, was um, Frederick Elms, who oh. also shot Eraserhead and Blue Velvet. Wow. wow. Um, so that I just thought that was a weird connection. You know what? Um, Maybe that's why I got that kind of darker feel. Like a, yeah. It's almost subtle. Yeah. 
And, and, and I thought, especially for a low budget movie, I thought the cinematography in this is—I mean, he's—he's he's one of my favorites. Definitely. But like, like it—it's it, one of those moments when I went, I saw his name pop up in the credits, <laughs> and like, I like it took me a second because I'm like, yeah. why do I know that name? I'm like, oh yeah, like that's David Lynch's director. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is a weird going from. Yeah. And this And this was obviously after Eraserhead. Right. And probably, probably, you know, I mean, Blue Velvet came out in '86, mm-hmm. so he might have even kind of been in pre-production talking yeah. with David Lynch about Blue Velvet. Mm-hmm. So, so this movie did kind of fall into a weird time in like the scope of his career yeah you might have also well. been so, like a working cinematographer in that area too like the la area yeah um, so I, that's just a weird fun fact that is awesome <laughs> i didn't even realize that that's really cool yeah um very cool yeah this movie's very uh surprising in a lot of good ways i, I really loved it and i thought <laughs> a couple people who also love this movie uh which was interesting one of them is kevin smith apparently his wife it's it's her favorite movie and when Aww. she was giving birth he brought the VHS of it into the (laughs) into the actual delivery room with them interesting which is is interesting yeah I guess it calmed her down maybe when she was or calmed both of them down but um and uh Quentin Tarantino also loves this movie so um yeah I guess there's something about it it's just um it's very unique and also very genuine and and very cool um and Joe I'm glad this worked out and that you were able to come on the show and and talk about it with us yeah thank you can I mention my favorite line before I go sure yes all right, but when they attack the car, save the radio. <laughs> save the radio. That's save a good the one. There's lots of good lines, actually. I oh, mean, yeah. Lots of good lines. Um, oh, actually, you know what? One other thing I want to mention. Actually, two more things. Quick things. One thing, Julie is not on the cover of this movie. Who not, is that? Not in the poster. <laughs> I uh, don't know who that. that is. That is not Julie. No. And, you know, actually, I looked it up. I'll look it up again real quick, but it was... Um, is it a painting? Is it a, an illustration? It's, no, it, it is an actress. I think she's, I think she is in the movie. No, that I I've always been aware of that. That cover drives me crazy because yeah, it's so bizarre. It's, it doesn't make any sense. And yes, that is not her. No, it's no. not. Oh, here we go. The iconic poster image. I'm reading this, this off IMDb, but still used on the DVD and Blu-ray artwork of Randy and Julie is not Deborah Foreman, but actress Tina. The, I'm not sure how to say her name. Last name Theberge. The Burge, T H E B E R G E, um, who wound up playing Randy's <laughs> nightclub lover. Bef- oh, before Foreman was cast. Oh, uh, okay. So maybe. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Oh, maybe so. It was like maybe for like production stills or something like that, and they just ended up using it, which is bizarre. Oh, her name is Samantha. She's oh, the so bar girl she that he in hooks up with oh, in the bathroom. Okay, okay, okay. okay. It's so just, she- that is just very odd though, because the, like you wonder at what point on a small budget movie like this. <laughs> They were making the poster that they couldn't get their lead actress to <laughs> and it's not like, pose for a quick yeah, photograph. And it's not like she's a big star. I mean, she wasn't even in anything else really that much. Um, very, very bizarre. <laughs> Just one of those if, weird if, any, if, if, if anybody listening ever gets the chance to meet anybody who was involved with the production of this movie, <laughs> please ask that yes, question. Because I, I would be very And then curious. email us and let us know. Um, yes. Oh, and then one other thing I wanted to mention, because this is actually very relevant. And we didn't realize this when we were talking about this movie, but a remake of this movie just came out this year. Yes. And it's a mm-hmm. it's a musical, which I think makes sense. Um, I've not seen it. Has, have either of you seen it? I, I think it's I haven't. Just... But a lot of the actors who are in yeah. the original they show up are in it. Either as but cameos not, or yeah. Yeah, not Tommy, the... who has yeah. been in a bunch of Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, he he's was in Kill Bill. Yes. And, uh... Oh. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that, let's check that actor. That I believe his name is 
That is, um, what is it? Michael Bowen. Michael Bowen. Yeah, okay. he, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. He was in Jackie Brown. He was yeah. in Kill Bill. Right. Apparently Breaking Bad as well at some okay. point. Yeah. So, so he's actually a pretty, cool. maybe other than Nicolas Cage, um, kind of one of the most mm -hmm. uh, lucrative careers mm -hmm. of anyone in the cast from this movie. Yeah. And that um, remake came I, out this year. <laughs> I had no it idea. It does not look yeah. good. No, it doesn't. Maybe yeah. it is. I mean, I, it could be. Who knows? I um, do know Mar Martha Coolidge, the director of the original Valley Girl, um, went on the record as saying she was very much not happy oh. ab about about the remake. I don't know if it was that. Um, I, I, I have a quote. Um, yeah, I have a quote from her. It says, I think when a movie is great to start with, then it almost really sort of embarrassing to redo it. <laughs> <laughs> to me, one shouldn't touch films like that. Yeah. I'm sure companies want to because they think they'll make money, but I find it depressing, actually. <laughs> so some of the actors were involved. Martha Coolidge did not sign off okay. on this one. That's never a good sign, but... Yeah, it seems a little more kitschy. It seems like it's kind of going for that angle of it, um, which... Mm -hmm. But, but who knows? It could be great. I, I, who, are we, who are we to judge until we've seen it? So exactly. I just think when you have, like, punks and then whatever your other group is... It made sense in the 80s because there was there was class, there was mm. like music different. There was a lot of and in California it seems like they were like totally different worlds, but yeah. mm -hmm. it just I don't know if that works anymore. I know it's mm. not supposed to be like current day, but Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think don't it, know. Yeah, I think it also takes place at the same time as like in the 80s as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the message is like different now. I think it's like I mean, it's just such a different world that we live in now. Um, and that first Valley Girl was such a time capsule. Um, but at the same time, very timeless. I, I thought, like I said, you know, a lot of yeah. the a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the writing was very, almost like hip and modern, and um, yeah, just kind of stands the test of time, I guess. And Jill, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you still enjoyed it. And love it. Yeah. It was great to watch. Thank you for giving me a reason to, <laughs> to rent it, it and watch it again. <laughs> I almost watched it on YouTube in in, in clips, and then finally I paid for it. Well, when but you it said was it was great. when you said it was your favorite movie, I was like, all right. We got to do this. Yeah. Because, no, yeah. I was so excited when you guys said you were doing it. <laughs> the timing worked out uh, perfectly. So. Um, one quick note, just a, a random thing before we hop off. Yeah. Um, just a, in reference with our series, um, at one point during the film, oh. I actually spotted it. Um, so, so a film we talked about previously, Eating Raul. Mm -hmm. um, I saw that there, too. Oh, you saw Eating Raul? Oh, it's, it's a favorite. Yeah, we, we, yeah. yeah that one will be. Yeah, that's a, that's a favorite of mine as well. Um, the, the limo driver outside of the prom at the end is reading a newspaper, and there's an ad on the back of the newspaper for eating Raul. So, that's so the that's first time fun, I've noticed it. Yeah. 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 Just just a fun uh, yeah, cult fun, movie cult connection. Another little connection there. Yeah. We've had that a couple times in this series, actually, so it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, but there you go. So 80s Indies. So we're going to keep the series going. Um, this was, like uh, like as we discussed, Valley Girl. And next up, we're going to be watching... She's got to have it, Spike Lee joint, his very first joint. So um, hopefully you can watch along and listen in on that one as well, just like Jill has done. And again, thank you, Jill, for, for coming on the show. Um, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we really this appreciate it. Hopefully you'll come back and you know talk about another movie. Hopefully we'll get to do Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Yes, I would love that. That's a great one. Thanks again. And this has been Cult Movie Cult. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult, like Jill has done, and be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult. And until next time, so long from the other side.